be continuing our, our series called Church Foundations. And so last week we started a, a new series, right? We, we talked about how many gross things there are going on around right now with the whole 2020 vision series that are happening in churches, right? And I, I still am like cringing at that idea of 2020 vision for 2020, right? Ugh. So gross, but uh, so prevalent, and we do have an opportunity that's in front of us, but nonetheless, our desire in the month of January and into February has, is to lay a foundation for our church to show our biblical convictions of what we do, why we do it, who we are, and what we are about. And so last week, we, we talked about the church's mission, and I made uh, the point of saying that every church should have the same mission. Every gospel-preaching church has the mission of what Jesus has sent them on, the great commission of making disciples and multiplying God's kingdom. So that is our mission here at Hebron Church. We exist to make disciples, that is, make followers of Jesus who multiply God's kingdom, who reach out to others. And so in the great commission, Jesus said, Uh, that all authority in heaven and earth was given to him, and he proclaimed to the Gospels that they were to go and make disciples. And how do we make disciples? We answered that question by showing what Matthew 28 says. We baptize people in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son. We teach them to observe everything that Jesus has commanded them, and we know that Jesus is with us to the ends of the age, and that we're sent not just here, but sent everywhere for this mission and this purpose. And so I I kind of tried to help clarify the idea of mission and vision, right? A lot of times people come into different organizations, whether it's a business or whether they come into a church and they say, what's your vision for this place? And friends, I just want to answer that question for you this morning. Hopefully put your hearts at ease. My vision is to be obedient to God here. That is our vision uh, for uh, together as the church, to be obedient to the Lord's calling. And so uh, the Lord's calling is to make disciples and, and multiply God's kingdom. And the vision component of uh, what we're going to talk through this morning in Romans 12 is really kind of answering the how to the what we do uh, in our mission this morning. So our vision can be seen actually right out in the foyer. There's a giant sign right above our coffee station, Brittany Landry made it, so if you're looking for some good signage, go talk to Brittany. She's happy to do stuff, and uh, she does great stuff. Check her out online. But nonetheless, uh, Freddie helped build that. Uh, it's just an amazing piece of church members that had come together to uh, do something for us. But there's four words that sum up the vision of Hebron Church of Hope. Teach, gather, engage, reach. And so, yeah, amen. <laughs> our vision is... Uh, based on principles and conviction to help create a culture that exists around the gospel here at Church of Hope. So let me define vision in that sense. A vision for a local church is something that is led by conviction, that is, what does the Bible say about things, our biblical principles, and then how that comes into some philosophy, some methodology, what we do, but it exists so that we can create a culture here that is centered around the gospel. Hebron Church of Hope's vision has a whole lot more to do with culture than it does program and activity. It has to do with culture and conviction. So we're a culture. What does it look like to have a culture that teaches? A, A culture of people who gather. A culture of people who engage. And a culture of people who reach. 
Right? So uh, this morning, hopefully, from God's Word, from Romans 12, you'll see some, some practical applications that will come out of the text, but you'll also see some conviction that will help you to think through not just what you do, but how you do it and why you do it. Does that make sense? Good. If you have questions, feel free to ask questions. That's totally fine. So um, last week we started with, with one question for the entire congregation. What makes a Christian and what makes a local church? So let's just let's do this again. What makes a Christian? Can I get some, some answers from the audience here? What makes a Christian? How do we know that somebody has responded a, a, and become a Christian? I almost started the answer, but I threw that away. Believer in God. Yep. Okay, so belief in God, that's a good place to start, yep, okay. Someone who's been baptized, okay, yep, public profession, all right, some other things, what are Christians? Okay, they've, they've trusted in Jesus, yep, were you going to say something there, or are you just fixing your hair? All right, you look handsome, by the way, so... <laughs> Change life through regeneration. Okay, Kevin, what's regeneration? Amen. Amen. We could just like toss them back here, right? <laughs> yeah. So the Holy Spirit making us alive. Okay, well, how do we, yeah, we become alive in Jesus. Okay. All right. Some, some other. Yep. Okay. Spreading the word. Okay. Others. Yep. Yeah. Belief in Jesus is God's son. That's good. Yep. Ooh, fruit of the spirit. What's the fruit of the spirit? Anybody? Okay, sing the song, Rachel. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good, good. Faithfulness is in there too, but good. It's got a good role. Yeah. You know, it's okay, Rachel. Ryan will sing for you. It's all right. Where'd it go, buddy? <laughs> good man. All right. Maybe just a couple more. A couple more. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, little Christ. So ambassadors representing Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's good. One more. We share our faith. Okay. All right, so these might be some marks of Christians. Okay, What's, what is a local church? What is the church? Gathering of those people, good. Okay, so the church is not a building. Yeah, it's, it's not a building, right? It is gathering of people. That's good. It's important to note. We, we have a church building, but the church that's gathered here is actually those Christians, right? That's, that's important to, to realize. Like, we've been blessed with a place to meet, but we are the gathered group, the gathered believers in Christ. That's really important, okay? Uh, some others? Yeah. Okay, hey, there we go. Yeah, making disciples. It's like somebody was listening to last week's message. All right. <laughs> All right, we, we listen to, we, we exist to make disciples, okay? Yeah. We are the bride of Christ. Amen. Yeah, straight from the Bible. Good, good. Some others? What is the church? Mm-hmm. Amen. A couple more. Is a church? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So, t- yeah, people who they have an action, right? They 
they come together with some purpose, teaching, holding each other accountable, living faithfully to God's word and, and to the testimony of Christ in their community. Good. One more. They love one another. What a, what a concept, huh? Right? I mean, yeah, so true. They're a, they're a group of people who don't despise being together. They love each other. They want to be together. So I'm just going to give a couple of like helpful definitions for this. A Christian is someone who has responded to the gospel, and it's somebody who has been made alive, response to the gospel. The gospel is Jesus has died for our sin, what separates us from God. He was buried, and three days later he rose from the grave. And Christians are people who respond to Jesus' work by repentance and faith. Right? So we believe in God, we believe in what Jesus has done, and we've responded to this by turning from our sin, running away from what separates us to God, and putting our faith or our trust into God that Jesus has accomplished our way for us to be right with God through his work and his death, burial, and resurrection. So this is what a Christian is, somebody who has responded to the gospel, who has been made alive, and somebody who repents and believes. A church is a group of Christians who regularly gather together to do three things. To proclaim the gospel, to affirm one another by the ordinances, that is, the Lord's Supper and baptism, and to live together as God's family. Joan, I'm so glad you said love one another. That's the idea of living together as God's family, right? So this is just something, write this down. Make this your definition. So when somebody says, what is a church? And they think it's a group of people who throw the Bible at you or a group of people who uh, gather together in a building. You say, no, a church is a group of Christians who regularly gather together to proclaim the gospel, to affirm each other by the ordinances, and to live together as God's family. And so the illustration that I brought to the table last week was that of a wall. We're talking about church foundations. Every building has its foundation. We'll hold it in place. And as we go over the next few weeks from God's Word, we're laying the foundation to say who Hebrew Church of Hope is, what we do, why we do it, what we exist for. But every one of us that has come from another church, has come from some sense of Christianity, comes in with an already built foundation. If we're in Christ, you have the best cornerstone. Praise the Lord. Amen? Right? Like you are the building that does not shift. You stand on the rock of Christ that is not moving. Your cornerstone is set. You are set in the Lord Jesus. And you are set to be linked together and built together with others. That is, to gather together with the church. But every single one of us, as we've come to this place in this exact moment, from different circumstances, different uh, teachings, different lifestyles, has come in with different blocks of what's important in a church and what's important to Christians, right? So we would all say, hey, here's some things that are really important to us, some things that maybe are not as important, and some things that we uh, say are necessities and things that we would say are not as necessary in the church. And so what we're doing together over the next few weeks is we're taking our walls, we're pushing them off to the side, We're looking again to the cornerstone, the Lord Jesus, and we are saying, here's what we're going to be built up together in. We're laying a foundation. And so what is the vision of Church of Hope? That is one of the blocks of our foundation, one of the building blocks to our wall together here in Hebrew Church of Hope. So Romans 12, 
If you've got your copy of God's Word, please open to Romans 12. I'm going to look at the entire chapter together this morning. And uh, there are some verses that are on our sign uh, for our vision statement that I, I just want to encourage you to go take a look at the, that, that sign today. Take a look at those verses. Uh, this one chapter, I think, is a helpful summation of all of those verses put together. So Romans 12. Uh, God's word says this for the church this morning. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord for the church this morning. Thanks be to God. As we think of our vision here at Church of Hope, teach, gather, engage, reach, these principles, these convictions, these uh, cultures that we want to cultivate here, uh, this morning, the first thing I want to really do is, is just expose the text. What is Paul writing to the Romans here? As we look into his writing, we'll really shape our application based on those four principles of teach, gather, engage, and reach. And, and the first section that is here in Romans 12 is verses 1 and 2. And, and so Paul is writing to these Romans, 
in chapters 9 through 11, he has just wrote about the mystery of the gospel and how God has chosen people for salvation and how he's been working through the Israelites through history and how he has been sending forward the gospel to change people's lives. And so as he writes about the mystery of how God has saved a rebellious people, he starts in verse 1 by saying, I appeal to you, therefore, my brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so Paul's first introduction as he starts to turn this book of Romans from theological principles and showing God's goodness and salvation, he starts to write to them in practical measures by saying, I appeal to you by the mercy of God. And so first and foremost, we need to recognize that our salvation is a mercy that comes in the mystery of God. None of us can come here today and say, well, we know we deserve to be saved. No, God has saved us in our rebellion. Last week we said we were enemies of God, yet he has made us his children and his sons, his daughters. We are now highly favored. We are loved. We are made new. We, we are, by the mercy of God, given new life through the gospel. And so with that new life, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We're to be holy and acceptable to God. This is spiritual worship. So the, the church gathers together to worship God. Uh, so as we think of worship in Hebrew Church of Hope, worship is not just a time of music. Worship is not just a time in God's word through teaching or preaching. Worship is not just a time in prayer. Worship is all of these things in a lifestyle of obedience to God's goodness and his mercy in response to the gospel. So, you know, how many of you have heard this question? You've gone to a church, you've checked it out, and they say, well, how is the worship? Right? Have you ever heard that question? Okay. What do they mean by that? Music. More often than not, right? They're usually like, hey, how was the music? Right? Well, the worship, we, we call our gathering, our Sunday gathering together, is a worship service. It's not just the music portion of what we do. It's the preaching, the teaching, the prayer, the fellowship, the Lord's Supper or baptism, what we're practicing together as we are living in obedience to God's mercy, we are presenting ourselves as sacrifice. So worship is a response to God's goodness through teaching, through prayer, through fellowship, through community together. Worship is a lifestyle of holiness in which we pursue God so that we can show the world that we are set apart for Him. Worship means that we actually need sacrifice. See, I, I don't really like that question when people say, hey, what do you, how is the worship? Because right? we're not properly putting it through the lens of the Bible. What we're doing is saying, did you like that? Did you enjoy that? See, our Western world has this really big issue. It's called consumerism. Right? We're just like, we just receive all of these products. We're like, hey, let's go to the store. Let's buy this. Right? I need this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue it. What makes me happy is fixing this sort of solution. And so we come into church with the mentality of consumerism as Westerners. Well, I should like the music. I should like the guy that preaches. I should like the way he communicates God's truth. I should receive these things and, and, and be part of something that, that can give to me. And really, friends, that's not actually worship. That's actually idolatry. That's what it is. 
It can be idolatry in our hearts to say, well, what can church give to me? It's, church is not about what, get, what we get. It's about worshiping God, presenting ourselves as living sacrifices, saying, God, you have given us life in the gospel. And through Jesus and through his death, burial, and resurrection, now we come to you in praise and thanksgiving in holiness and obedience and we get to live and really worship can be summed up in verse 2 it says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect interestingly enough paul as he wrote to the early church didn't ask them hey how is your music he said is your mind being renewed there's, a, there's an action that's happening here. It's not just an emotion. It's a change of thinking. It's a change of knowing truth. Do not be conformed to this world. Right? Don't just be drawn away into what is worldly, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind through God's word, through his scripture. We are renewed through our minds that we may test and discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. And again, we're coming to all of this. We're worshiping God through his mercy and through his goodness. It's a mystery. We don't always know what is perfectly the will, but we know the the God of the will. So we run to him saying, God, we trust you. We lean on you. We see you. And we're going to just work with you. Help us to have faith to believe. And so in our teaching, we come back to God's word. We continue to put our lives through the test of the scripture and say, God, what have you spoken? What have you said? How can our mind be renewed by what you have done, not just by what we do in ourselves? As we gather together, we gather as Christians to present ourselves as living sacrifices. Our lives have been purchased By the blood of the Son. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, you have been purchased and redeemed. And we exist to live as sacrifices for God's glory and for His goodness. We engage in the obedience of transforming our minds through the renewal of it by God's Word. We pursue Him. And we we reach out to each other by looking through these principles. But then notice here how Paul goes from individual praise and individual uh, instruction into verse 3 where he starts to address the church at large. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. It's amazing that Paul just like throws this verse right out to them and it starts with like, hey, hold on, don't think too highly of yourself here, right? You are not the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> hold on, see yourself in God's image and in his likeness, knowing that he is good, but remember, don't be filled with pride. And so he says, for by the grace given to me, I, I say to everyone not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
So God has given us the gospel to live as living sacrifices. He has given us grace through the gospel and faith through the gospel. Why? Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one in body, or one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So there's just a, another emphasis here of don't think highly of yourself, don't think of yourself as superior to others, but recognize that in faith, as you've been placed with other Christians, that you exist to serve the body. You live together as the body of Christ. You are individually members and members of one another. We're accountable to each other. We exist to be together. God has given us faith so that we would serve the body. As he has given this faith, he has equipped us with good gifts. And so he lists a number of gifts in verses 6 through 8. And I'm not going to take time this morning to go through each one of the spiritual gifts, but I'm going to take the time to really emphasize why he gives gifts. God gives us gifts, not so we can say, hey, look at what I can do for the Lord. He gives us gifts so that we can serve the church, serve one another, and serve him for his glory. So prophecy, our exhortation, our teaching, exists to be a gift to the body and a gift to the Lord's glory. Contribution and generosity is for the body and for the Lord's glory. Leadership is for the body and for the Lord's glory. Acts of mercy are for the Lord's body and the Lord's glory. Do you see the emphasis here? Again and again, Paul is saying to the Romans, Romans, you've been given grace and mercy by God to serve one another, to live as sacrifices for God, and to continue to seek obedience for God's goodness and for His glory. And this is a gift of grace. It's a gift of grace that we are members of each other. So as we teach, we teach in large gatherings. Corporately here, every Sunday, as we pursue God's word together, we are submitting ourselves to God's instruction for the good of being built up in Christ together. This is not the opportunity that I have to tell you all interesting things that I'd like to tell you. Or to crack a and they make this is the opportunity to instruct the body of saints to walk in obedience to the gospel. This isn't a time of entertainment. This is a time for preparation. It's a time for us to see what God has written, what He has done, and to respond to His goodness. And hopefully that can be entertaining. Hopefully it can be convicting. Hopefully it can be encouraging. Hopefully it can give us strength. But it's not for us to consume. It's for us to be built up to glorify God. As we gather and teach, and yeah, as we, as we gather together, we gather so that we can serve one another corporately, but also that we can serve each other individually. There's a sense of responsibility that goes from the individual to the body. And so the body helps the individual. So when the arm hurts, you help the arm, right? You don't just keep swinging the arm around hoping that everything works out. Okay, you, you help hold it in place. You encourage it. You, you help it to rest. You help it to receive healing. You remind it of its source and who has shaped it, who has created it. 
so that it can rest in God. You don't just say, hey, that, that looks like it hurts. How does that feel? Right? It's when you walk into the hospital and you ask somebody, hey, I know you're sitting here for a reason, right? They're usually there for a reason, hopefully, right? And then all of a sudden, the, the worst question is always, hey, how are you feeling? Well, I don't know. What do you think? Right? <laughs> I'm in the bed. <laughs> I'm in the ER, and they don't even have a room for me. What am I going to do? <laughs> if we're hurting, we exist to lift each other up. If we're in rebellion, we exist to bring each other back in obedience to God. So we don't just let limbs flail around in every which way. We work together. As we teach, we work together. As we gather, we're working together corporately. We're working together individually. As we engage in obedience, we're, we're helping each other to walk away from this rebellion and sin and to run together to the Lord Jesus. That's why we, get, we have to have hard conversations together and say, hey, this is what God has said through his word. We can't do that. We can't act that way. We can't be full of anger. We have to respond in grace and mercy. We, we reach each other by serving one another. I, one of the things that we, as elders, have just been talking about lately is the idea of serving the church, the idea of serving together. Each one of us is called. There's, there's plenty of ways for us to serve the body of Christ here at Hebron Church of Hope. We've got music and, and tech, and we've got kids' ministry. By the way, have we said a few times today that kids' ministry really needs help, Right? Uh, we have nursery, we've, we've got our, our greeting, we have community outreach. There are ways for each one of us to be involved in corporate action, right? When we do things like Maple Fest, we can be driven together to work out and be a witness for Christ. There are ways that we can be involved in smaller communities, whether that's a D group or, or through serving each other as church members here, through cleaning and snack and greeting, things like that, or through teaching opportunities and through little events that we put together. There are ways that we can serve individuals in our church, some of our older saints that might need some help around their home. We can reach out to them. We can meet their needs. There are ways that we can go out into our community, um, like reaching out into nursing homes and helping people that don't get to hear the word, don't get to sing together, being there, present for them. But all of this serving comes back to the idea of, We've been placed together to serve the Lord in unity so that we can be a light for the gospel. So there are ways that we can serve here in the church and ways that we can serve in the kingdom. And and so we as elders want to encourage the body to say, hey, don't just make it one or the other. Make it both. Don't just serve the kingdom and don't just serve the body. Serve both. For God's glory. And see, there are going to be ways, like Maple Fest is a way that we get to serve both the body and the community and the kingdom. So we can get involved in those things. There are going to be ways that we can serve just the body through the individual sacrifices that we make together, to work together, to clean together, to pick up sticks together in our church property, and to serve each other in our homes. These are, these are good things, but we're all called as the body of Christ to serve. We want to serve to God's glory. So we have been given the grace of God in the gospel to be presented as living sacrifices, to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, to 
work together through God's gifts of grace to build up the body and to shine the light of Jesus in the community. And then Paul gives a whole list of instructions from verses 9 through 21 of what it looks like for us to actually walk these things out. And so verse 9, he starts with this. He says, Love one another. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I I just have to tell you, I I shared this with Dave and Steve and Caleb and Carl yesterday. As I was reading through this list of just instructions for the church, I was just wrecked this week. Through God's word, just in what he has said. Let love be genuine. When we say, hey, brother, sister, I love you in the Lord. A genuine love and concern for each other. A a genuine care. He says, love one another with brotherly affection. We look at each other here as the the gathered church of Christ and say, you are my family. I care about you. It says to abhor what is evil and to hold fast to what is good. And so, you know, it's, it's people, I don't know about you, but for me, it's really easy to see, well, that's messed up. Look at all of these evil things that are going on. Look at the, the sky is falling. I'm too little, right? I, I always see the sky falling, but then to hear what God says through Paul, to hold fast to what is good. Hold fast. Trust in it. Anchor yourself in what is good. Remember the goodness of the gospel. So as we gather together as the people of God, know, knowing we're going through circumstances in our lives that are challenging and that are tough, we can hold fast to what is good, that in the gospel... We have new life and that in the church we have community to encourage and strengthen us to walk in this obedience. So we can hold fast to that, trusting that God's going to work through it. And this idea of loving one another isn't just the idea of showing each other affection, but outdoing one another in honor. Right? I, I always make the joke that every family has its crazy uncle and every church has its crazy uncle, Right? But I don't, sometimes it's hard to love your crazy uncle. But it's the, the Bible says that we're to outdo them with honor. So you might say, hey, that's my crazy uncle, but you love them to death. You love them so much, with so much genuine love, so much affection, that you're like, you know what? That's my crazy uncle. I love him. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to outdo him with honor. These are the moments where we think that we might have ulterior motives where we look to each other and we think best. We think to the best of what God is doing in each other's lives. We give each other the benefit of the doubt. We don't just think, hey, you know what? They're a miserable, crazy uncle. That's my crazy uncle who loves me. They care. Outdo one another in showing honor. The, then he, he moves on into verse 11. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Again, Paul is saying, serve the Lord. And this isn't just the idea of like, hey, I'll do something here and there. I'm going to serve the Lord with zeal. I'm going to be fervent in the Spirit. I'm going to run to opportunities to glorify God and to serve Him in whatever He would have in my life and in my church. And, and so I'm, just, I'm thankful that God has placed believers at Hebrew Church of Hope that are just willing to outdo each other in honor, but who are also fervent in the Spirit to serve the Lord. And if we're all honest, we all know that we can grow in that fervency and all grow in that zeal to serve God and to run to Him, run to opportunities, not just to serve Him individually, but to serve each other, to build each other up. 
And verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. These are things that we need to pursue together, characteristics that we need to continue to build, that we would rejoice in, in hope. Yeah, the world's broken, but we have hope in Christ. Being patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. Constant in prayer. Patient in tribulation. The world might feel like it's crumbling, but we're patiently waiting and praying and rejoicing in the hope of the Lord. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The church should not be a place where we come with shame to say, I am in need and I need help. The church should be a place in which we run for help. We run to it and say, man, things are tight. Life is crazy. My children are off the wall. I need help. (laughs) It's okay to come to each other for help. It's okay to ask for help. It's not okay to sit and, and wait and hope that somebody will come and meet your need if you won't communicate your need. Friends, communicate your needs to one another. Build a culture where you're saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I've got to do this project at home, but I can't do it on my own. I've got to lift this giant thing. Ask for help. It's okay to ask for help from your brothers and sisters in the Lord. It says, seek to show hospitality. That we would show each other that we care and that we would welcome each other into each other's homes and say, hey, come and have a meal with us. Let's get to love you and know you. That's why we, we try to really emphasize when we do our, our discipleship groups, we try to really emphasize having those D groups in each other's homes so that we can open up our houses and show each other hospitality and show each other our care and love and concern for one another. Here's a hard one. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. These words are echoing Jesus as he is writing in the Gospels. And I think of Matthew 5 as he gives the instruction, if somebody hits one side of your face to turn your cheek and give them the other. And if they take your, your, your money, give them your shirt. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. It's really easy for Christians, especially now, in this day and age, to cry about the persecution we face here in America. Friends, if you don't think that we face persecution in America, I'm just going to tell you you're wrong. We do face persecution as the church. Our persecution, compared to other parts of the world, is very minimal. But I'm reminded of what Paul and and the apostles and, and Peter and James and John in Acts 5, after they had been beaten by the Sanhedrin, and after they had been told that they should not proclaim the name of Jesus, they went back to the church and celebrated that they were worthy of suffering for the sake of the gospel. But we're called not to cry into our communities. Look at the evil that you're doing to us. We're called to bless them, knowing that they hurt us because they don't know us. They don't understand the goodness of the gospel. They won't receive it. But nonetheless, we have to extend it to them because that is exactly what the Lord Jesus would do. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Or to rejoice in those moments of celebration. Hey, we're going to be rejoicing a lot of, of children being born here soon. Right? Four babies on the way. We're going to be rejoicing of the gift of children here at Church of Hope. 
They're going to be running all over the place. We're going to rejoice, right? I'm probably going to run with them because that's the fun thing to do. Have you ever noticed you bring them downstairs in the fellowship hall? They see those poles, and it's like, whoa. It's a magnet for kids, right? They're just like, I've got to run. I've got to hold on to that, spin around. And I totally understand why they do it. I would do it if I was a little bit smaller and less dangerous. <laughs> um, but we're rejoicing at the gift of life in kids. We're rejoicing over church members coming into the fellowship here. We're rejoicing in salvation. The people are trusting in the Lord Jesus, and they're turning from their sin. We're rejoicing in baptism. We rejoice as we sing together. We rejoice as we pray. We rejoice over God's word. We have many moments that we can rejoice together as the church. So we rejoice knowing that God is good to us. And in those moments where we're, we're facing death and trial and tribulation, we're to weep with those who weep. We're to show genuine empathy and care for those who are facing hardships. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Think again to what Paul wrote in verse 3. Think with sober judgment. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Not in just your capabilities and what you can do for the church, or maybe it might be in your area of wisdom. Look at the way that I know the Bible. I'm always trumped by the, the new Christian that comes in and just rejoices over the simplistic truth of the gospel. It just always rocks my heart and reminds me of God's goodness. And I think, wow, here I am pursuing theological education. This guy gets the joy of the Lord. I can nerd out and get it from Calvin and Luther and the Reformers. But he gets it through the gospel. That's what I want to be like. Verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. This is a, this is a culture that we need, we need to cultivate, that we, we're looking to, to outdo each other with honor. We're looking to overcome evil with good. At verse 18, we're to, if possible, so far as it depends on you, to live peaceably with all. Man, that is such a, a verse uh, for our age, for our culture, for our day. Live peaceably with all. This does not mean accept everything or to tolerate everything, but to pursue peace. To pursue peace in such a way that we say, hey, here we are in the gospel, here's what we believe. We're not ashamed of it, but we want to extend the gospel to you. And sometimes that's beat away, right? Sometimes that's knocked down. Sometimes that's mocked. But we keep extending it in grace. Say, we're people of grace and peace. We're not necessarily meant to be a people who fight back and, and pour the, the oil onto those that are suffering. Verse 19, Behold, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. I think he's writing this from verse 18 saying, Hey, I know you're going to want to respond in anger. Let the Lord avenge you. Let the Lord do his work. In verse 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Hmm, where did this come from? The word Jesus. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. What an image, huh? They want to heap burning coals on you by rejecting and mocking and despising everything that you stand for. But as you stand in God's blessing, as you remember God's promise through the gospel, as you stand in peace, the Lord avenges his work. By heaping coals. Maybe not literally, 
maybe, but hopefully not. That sounds pretty miserable, but at least he's doing his work of bringing vengeance. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so these are marks of Christians, people who have been converted, people who have responded to the gospel. And we see really there's three kind of big ideas that come out of this text. That we're to live individually in light of God's glory. We're to live as living sacrifices. We're to live together corporately as God's body to proclaim this good news. And then we are to live in a world that is darkened with the marks of Christ through these practical steps of love, through honor, through rejoicing, through patience, through contribution, through blessing, through rejoicing, through harmony, through pursuing God. And so the vision of how this comes together is is that culture. It's the principle of, yes, we pursue God and honor Him, We do so corporately, small group, individually, but we also do this so that we can set not a program together, a completion course, but we set together a culture. When people think of Hebrew Church of Hope, they don't want to just think of what we do for kids or what we do on a Sunday morning. We want to think that we're known for loving people. We want to be known for being changed by the gospel. We want to be known for unity. We want to be known for how we rejoice. We want to be known for who Jesus has made us to be and not just the actions that we can accomplish. This is the vision of Church of Hope. Teach, gather, engage, reach in a way that influences our corporate life and the way that shows itself through a culture that is marked by the gospel. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you that through Paul's writing we can be reminded that Each one of us, as we've responded to the gospel, is called to live in light of the gospel in this community. God, we're called to live together uh, as Christians, corporately, as the church. We are members of your body, and we're members of one another. So thank you, God, that you have placed us as believers here to proclaim the gospel, to affirm one another, and to live together as this family. God, but we're also sent on mission to send out this word of Christ to a community that needs to see hope. And so, God, we pray that we would meet the needs of the community in a genuine way, that we would be able to provide them with opportunities and avenues that, that would truly meet the need of what they, they're uh, in need of in our, in our day. But, God, would you also help us to reach our community by the culture that exists here? That as they come, they see not just a place that does a bunch of stuff, but a people who are changed by gospel quality. Help us to honor you, to glorify you, and to live in conviction of your goodness and grace to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I can't believe it's January and I'm sweating. So (laughs) We're going to invite you to join us as we respond to God's word through song together this morning. So let's stand and sing uh, Great Are You, Lord, again together.